Good morning, Vietnam. Is that still appro- is that still appropriate, Dakota? <laughs> um, was it ever? Or were we just That's blind? Here, Someone, let's let's try that again. Um, no. That's offensive. Um, hey, <laughs> welcome. Glad you could make it to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. We promise this episode will be a little more entertaining and enlightening than us trying to not start a show offensively so we don't get canceled. But <laughs> Yeah, that's right, man. The mob's can out you, there with their pitchforks. And- can you cancel something that really hasn't taken off yet? I'd say we're still a plane getting off the runway, so maybe we're safe, Dakota. Oh, I thought we were we were still <laughs> struggling to assemble the engine. Like, what was it that? takes? I feel like it takes a good ten years to you know to get that get that plane going and off the ground. So, <laughs> what we, was a what was a Dennis Quaid movie, The Flight of the Phoenix? Where oh god, yeah, I, I think we're still just standing around in the desert at this point. Like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> Call me an old soul, but I still think of the Jimmy Stewart, Richard Attenborough version. So See, I saw that once. Directed by John Huston. Really? Pretty sure. Pretty sure he did that movie. Why? Why, Mr. Duncan, are you? Sorry. <laughs> I, I, do a tor- I do a terrible John Huston accent. Yeah, and I'm guessing while they were there filming in the desert, you know he punched at least a few people <laughs> out at the local bar. <laughs> Actually watched him in Chinatown not too long ago. Man, that was a bleak movie. It was bleak. <laughs> oh well, today we're gonna talk about a movie that I don't know. Is he would you consider it bleak? Probably not. I actually thought it was a nice little adventure film. I thought so too. We talking Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull? Exactly. Oh, yes. I don't know what else we would talk about. Every everyone's least of <laughs> I was trying to spin it in a positive light, but I don't know if there's any way you could spin that movie in a positive light. You can try. <laughs> um oh man, am I way off? i John, John Hurt was good in that movie, I guess. I mean, I'm not seeing John Houston as the director of Flight at I did forget though that he did uh The Man Who Would Be King. We should review that one sometime, Dakota. <laughs> yes. We shall. <laughs> No, today we're th- we're actually talking about Tomb Raider, but not the two thousand two one, not that one, aka Boob Raider. Um, yeah, not the one with Angelina Jolie. Where really the only reason she got the role was probably because she had big lips and big other parts. Star power. <laughs> star power. Well, she didn't. That kind of was what gave her star power. Because before that, she was just that crazy woman who hey, she was, was always in... making out with Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> on carpets. On carpets. Red carpet. There we go. It's like, I think that you know, she would have had Gia under her belt, so she at least had something. It's not like Tom Holland where he came literally came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although, um, if you want to see something uh, kind of unsettling, uh, I do. Look, I do more than anything. <laughs> look at a picture of Tom Holland when he's fifteen. It he looks like a nine year old boy. It's well, like what? Is this? I feel like I kind of know what he looks like because I remember watching. I watched The Impossible when that movie came out, and I think when he made that movie, he was like thirteen in real life, and I think it's oh. about what he was playing in the movie. And uh, I feel like he's 
really only physically aged about three years <laughs> since then, even though it's been probably 10 years at this point or something. But I think the first thing I saw him was in Heart of the Sea, that movie that was about the incident that inspired Moby yeah, Dick. Yeah, which I just read the book. I haven't seen that movie, but I just read the book that that's based off of. That is an excellent book. The Tragedy of the Whale Ship Essex. Tragedy. <laughs> tragedy. Very much a tragedy. Uh, some would argue they had coming. Well, and that is <laughs> and that is what's interesting about the book is that the first mate, which I think in the movie is probably who Chris Hemsworth plays, I would guess, because he's probably one of the main people. Yeah, it's probably who Hemsworth plays, the first mate. Yeah, like his whole thought process like after it happens is like, well, we burned an island to the ground, you know, and he was like thinking about just how awful of people they were and how it's like, is this God punishing us? You know, that, that really was going through his head. And so, oh, and for the record, I just like to say the original Flight of the Phoenix was directed by Robert Aldrich, who directed Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and, ah. and The Dirty Dozen and things like that. So we'll just clear that up. There's a movie I always thought that Hollywood would try to remake The Dirty Dozen. Yeah, they kind of have, but they just haven't made it a World War II movie and called it Dirty Dozen. <laughs> They've kind of just tried those other kind of groupy movie groupy movies. Um, yeah, well, this Tomb Raider came out in two thousand eighteen, I want to say, and stars Alicia 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 Vikander as Laura Croft, and they kind of. They did something that a lot of video games, movies, don't usually do. And it's based the movie off of what they're doing in the new video games. Because usually it seems like when these video games movies come out, they go back to how the video games originally started. Whereas in this one, they kind of used the new version of Lara Croft. And that was probably a good idea. Yeah. Where she's kind of more of a survive. It's kind of more of like primitive survival is what it ends up being a lot more in this movie. And it's kind of her like becoming the tomb Raider, I guess you could say. Yeah. It's basically tomb Raider begins. And right. What I find the most intriguing part is, uh, this is kind of a thing that's, it's gotten in cinemas now where it's like you know, these people who, uh, find themselves in these adventures. They, they, rise to the challenge and they're like you know they get into a fist fight and they they're they're throwing like perfectly perfectly thrown jabs and everything and uh man when she starts out when she gets on this island she is really struggling yeah and i just thought that was actually intriguing because yeah and and what what helps is that she should be struggling because it's a new new environment but you also know that she's gonna have some strength and gumption to at least attempt have a good good old-fashioned try and possible success of getting through some of it because she's set up as someone who is tenacious and is trying to learn how to be like an mma fighter and and is very competitive and stuff in fact there's a scene near the beginning when she's doing like that fighting in the ring and she's got like a six-pack yeah. and i'm like Oh my gosh. And then it was it was like I was having trouble 
like comprehending just how she did look really fierce. And then I found out that that wasn't CGI. Like that was real. Like she got in like crazy good shape for this movie. I think to its benefit, um, where where they got uh, someone who's a good actress to also get into really good shape because she's probably who helped this movie be a lot more believable and you because she's a good actress you cared about her the whole time i think that probably helped a lot because <laughs> i feel like when you watch the original tomb raiders she's always just smiling her way through everything it feels like she never gets dirty even though she's jumping through like the filthiest places on the planet you know and it's just like you don't i don't know she was like so carefree you're just like she would be dead you know <laughs> Well, with those first two movies, it was almost like they were just trying to do, and don't get me wrong, they were based off video games from the time, but uh, it was almost like they were trying to, uh, in a way, mimic what the James Bond movies from that time period were were going through. Yeah, maybe. Or that she was almost a little more Roger Mori, I would say. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like there was seemed like she was globe hopping and uh you know she had all the gadgets and it just uh i think one of the reasons i didn't really like those original ones is uh the action just seemed a little too overdone yeah um but yeah enough about enough about the you know <laughs> yeah about those um yeah this one though um, it still has the classic Laura Croft thing where there's still this old mystery, kind of a fam, a mystery within her own family. Cause isn't that kind of a Laura Croft thing with her, like relationship with her dad and kind of the things with that, they still kind of obviously do a lot with that in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, and oh, God, I, I always want to say his name wrong. Who plays the dad? Dominic West. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I always feel like after I say his last name, I'm like, that's not his last name. It's something different. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Like, it doesn't feel like it's just West. But um, we were kind of talking earlier about how it was a little jarring for us. Maybe it just makes us feel old that he's now playing a dad to a woman in her 20s. <laughs> Where it's like, man, how old is he? I mean, I guess The Wire was like, what, 30 years ago now or something? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Um, you know, nobody really looked young and full of life in that show. So. <laughs> I was just thinking of him in uh, 300 when, I don't know, like, did, was he just in crazy great shape and they just, like, throw on this toka or, I don't know, weird so, weird kind of. I forgot he's in 300. Yeah, weird. Man, like, everybody's in that. Weird kind of way, uh, weird sidebar, but, yeah, he's just. Because, like, man, like, even though he doesn't do anything, he looks like he's in great shape. <laughs> yeah, you kind of follow her on this mystery of ending up trying to find her, her way to get to this island that's basically impossible to get to. But, like, any movie like this, you know it's going to be possible <laughs> somehow. They're going to figure out a way. But, um, man, that was pretty harrowing. Like when they're trying to get to that island and it's basically like, yeah, like whatever is the deal with this island, uh, the weather around it or supernatural, whatever you want to believe it was at the time of when you watch this movie, 
it's like, well, this ship isn't going to last. <laughs> and the whole time, you're just like, oh, man, you know, it's like, she's got to live, I guess, because she's Laura Croft. But is anybody else? Because, I mean, they're just getting beaten in that storm. And then there's just, like, wrecked ships everywhere. Yeah, that was uh, visually actually pretty uh, pretty interesting, I thought. Yeah, I I thought that for, like, a scene like, I mean, I thought, I guess that scene was just really well done. It was just really intense and just kind of threw you in. Actually, I thought, like, every scene that was meant to be intense, I thought did kind of have, was well done in this movie. But anyway, they do end up getting this island where her she finds out her dad years before had basically ditched the family in her mind to try to find and then disappeared slash died. And uh, so she ends up finding her way there, partially because of a message she found in her dad's stuff in his little secret lair, so to speak. And... Yeah, I don't know, Dakota. What what would you call this island? She gets there, and there's these people there, and it's basically like a secret slave camp, I guess. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's like Skull Island if it didn't have any monsters and was just full of slaves. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, man. I'm not really sure what's... Uh, you know, they're, they're... Oh, I'm trying to remember what they they're really having these people do, but it's well, they're looking for like this tomb. And they're trying to find this tomb, and the bad guy on the island is played by Walton Goggins. In the whole time he's introduced, I keep waiting for him to be classic Wally Goggs and just like kind of get a little. Like, he always has, like, kind of a wacky edge or something to him. And he plays this so straight and so, like, low-key, like, bad guy that that almost put me more on edge because the fact that he wasn't kind of, like, snapping into, like, I don't I hate to call him wacky, but he kind of has, there's, like, this Walton Goggins to him that he has, <laughs> which makes sense because that's his name. Where a lot of times when he's in roles like this, he kind of like all of a sudden will just scream something or be kind of silly, I guess. But this was just like he played it so straight and so serious that it was like it was almost more unnerving. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's weird because uh, I'm just going to kind of throw this guy's name out there. Uh, like in some of Jack Nicholson's roles when he's like. He just does like this look where, you know, he's unhinged. Yeah, because that's the thing is like. You can tell that he just could just snap at any minute. But even when he does snap a few times, it's so controlled that it's disturbing. Yeah, it's like, it's almost in a way like he, he just kind of showed up and he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play just really, really low key for yeah. this entire movie. And I think part of it is, is why it works with who he's playing. Because he's basically playing a guy who works, like he's in charge, but he's not. Like, he's in charge on the island where all these shipwrecked people end up there. He just makes them his slaves to try to find this tomb. Because he's not allowed to leave the island until he finds this tomb. And so he's kind of the boss here, but he has a boss that he's withholding to, withholding to, and it's like, 
he's basically losing his mind because he's stuck on this island, but at the same time, he seems to enjoy being in charge. <laughs> and so it's like there's like this whole swirling psychoness going on with him. And it's like he does a really good job <laughs> of just kind of being kind of like a controlled unhinged, I guess would be a way to put it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I forget how many years he said he's been stuck there, but I was expecting him to be more kind of just a typical Walton Goggins. Yeah, I, and that's the thing you're kind of expecting, and it and I and, and then I ended up just being kind of pleasantly surprised. But yeah, it's like he wants off this island because he has like two daughters. I think he says that he's like I haven't seen in like years. Basically, by the time he gets home, I think we're just supposed to assume he's been on there as long as her dad's been missing. Yeah, because he's aware of her dad, you know. He's like, yeah, I remember when he came here or whatever, you know. And so it's, I mean, it's been, um, God, what was she a teen? I think she was a teenager when her dad left. And so I think it was supposed to be at least seven years. It was like at least seven years or something. And so, yeah, Wally Goggs has been there a little while. <laughs> um. And yeah, you just it's kind of those things where I guess even though this island seems hard to get to, supplies are dropped in, I guess. I don't Yeah, the, that part I was having trouble kind of figuring out how that worked. Yeah, the uh I don't I don't know what you want to call it, but he just whoever he's working for, like it, there's kind of a, a corporation that's backing them and it's dropping supplies into them, keeping them going and Yeah. And uh it's, I don't know, the, I think that's really the only kind of weak part in this whole story. Yeah. It's like, like how how do they, did he have a radio? I, I don't remember. He had a satellite phone. Oh, yeah. Because he was talking on that, like, when uh, she first got there. So he reaches out to them with, like, this satellite phone. But, yeah, it's still, like, how are they so able to get things is kind of where it kind of, like, that part was, like, the hardest part to kind of wrap my head around, I guess. But yeah, the the reason that all these people are there is like, it's this island off Japan and um, this tomb they're trying to find has this like ancient witch, I guess is kind of like the story that you hear from her dad. It's like this ancient witch was buried there in a way where the pl- she was a plague on the world, and so she's contained in this place. And her dad was, like, obsessed with finding this place. And then this corporation wants it, and you're like, why does this corporation want to unleash basically a hell-on-earth-type situation? You know, and so you got a couple mysteries going on where Laura- Laura's trying to understand the disappearance of her father through this place, and then also this corporation is involved in trying to get into the tomb of this kind of ancient witch tomb and then it becomes like this survivalist thriller because of what Laura goes through and so it does end up making it kind of a beginning to end really it's a movie that moves which I think that just helps it too I think this movie just had a lot of things going for it where I would probably just put it high on my list of probably one of the better video game movies I'm trying to think like, out of the video game movies, I don't know, Dakota, is there, like, this is probably one of the best? Yeah. I mean, I mean, some people would argue the bar is low. Yeah. But. So low, it's basically laying on the ground. Um, 
But no, a lot of uh, a lot of actual talent and thought went through this movie, and that's what kind of surprised me because um, they really couldn't, or they they could have just not really cared as much and just like whip something together really quickly. And yeah, like, like oh, a Tomb Raider movie, and and it could have just been like uh, I, I I hate to name names again, but like the Hellboy we got not too long ago. Where it seemed like they were so busy trying to get it made, no one was thinking about really the story or... Yeah, I feel like that had a couple things going against it. That Hellboy movie was that, yeah, I think they just wanted to get one made while people were still excited about a Hellboy movie. And I feel like it just had the wrong director. Like, Because I think Neil Marshall did have a did care in a sense, but he cared about all the wrong things. <laughs> and yeah, with this one, yeah, it did just feel like um, it did have a lot more like kind of care put into it. And then it's, it was directed by this guy named, I don't even know how you say his name, honestly, Roar Uthog. <laughs> but he's a Norwegian director who actually made another movie I remember seeing a few years ago called The Wave. That was actually a Norwegian movie, and I think it was supposedly based on true events about a giant wave that hits Norway. Oh. And uh, and so, yeah, they got a guy who, yeah, he seemed to be excited about the character on some of the things I kind of went and looked at with him. And then was just a guy who kind of understood, yeah, the movie he wanted to make. And they still did a lot of, like, especially if you've played the newer games, there were a few scenes they did with like that wrecked plane and stuff that were really homages to scenes that are in those new, in the new Tomb Raider game. And so I'm sure that was fun if you were one who played those games. I just, I just didn't, not because I didn't want to, but just because I, I just didn't. I don't probably have the system there for because I'm more of a retro gamer, to be honest. And so that's just kind of the way it is. But did you play the new Tomb Raider games? Um, I did not. Uh, unfortunately, I did play the older ones, though. The really clunky, boxy ones? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny um, to think back on how those were such a big, groundbreaking deal and how just boxy they were. Well, I mean, it goes back to... Uh, uh, I saw a meme not too long ago where it's uh, it was like a little snippet from Saving Private Ryan and the tag, the headline, the text said, what we think the game was like that we played when we were kids. And then it shows like just this terrible, (laughs) terrible clip from, I think it's the medal of honor game where you, you stormed the Omaha beach and it was supposed to be, like it was supposed to, they took it right out of saving private Ryan and tried to, but back then, like, you know, we all thought it like, it was amazing and it looks terrible by today's standards. (laughs) It's yeah. It seems a little clunky. Well, I even think that way, like, even when you look at, like, Call of Duty World at War, that wasn't even as many years ago. That was maybe, like, what, 2010 or I don't know. Uh, yeah. And, like, that game was traumatizing. The way they had the Japanese just rush out of bushes at you and stuff. And now it's, like, probably when you think about it, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe not all the graphics are that great, but yet it was still traumatizing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interestingly, uh, you you may not know about this, but... With the latest Star Wars Battlefront, uh, there actually was a mission where it was the stormtroopers against the Ewoks. 
Oh, really? And it is low-key kind of terrifying because they're <laughs> literally coming out of everywhere at you. Oh, the Ewoks. <laughs> they're swarming you, coming out of the trees, coming out of the shrubs. They are kind of like furry little orcs, though, when you think about it, where they just come <laughs> flying out of everywhere. So. And uh, there's a video out there of a guy playing it, and he's just screaming because... <laughs> Just little teddy bears are just, like, mauling him to death. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, this does this does bring up how that situation was so horrifying for well, them. And that's the thing. When you think about it, it's like they would be screaming because they know if they get caught by the Ewoks, they're probably going to get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> and probably, I mean, it's not going to be pleasant. Oh, man. But, yeah, back to this. Uh I don't know. I don't have too much more to say. I think it's a really tight, good. If you just want like uh, a really good action movie, I mean, I don't even think this is one of those things where it's like you don't even have to be nerdy or have a video game love to like this movie because it's just a really good kind of action movie for what it is. And uh, and I think it still has, even though it's like maybe like a more serious, darker tone than like the the predecessors i think it still is fun you know i think it still has like a funness in it and so yeah i don't know i just think overall it's a pretty solid pretty solid movie yeah i'm kind of hoping they still do the sequel they're kind of talking about oh i really hope you know it's one of those things where if they don't get the ball rolling on it soon we might never get one and that'd be a shame because i thought I thought this kind of set the groundwork pretty solidly. Um, I did say it was Tomb Raider Begins, and uh, it did kind of remind me of Batman Begins. Yeah. In a way where it's like, man, the the groundwork was laid just so strongly, there was nowhere to go but up. Yeah. I know, and that's the thing. It's like, uh, like you said, yeah, if they're just in terms of people wanting it and in terms of just Alicia... Vikander still playing the role. Yeah, it's like in the next year, they're going to have to make a pretty solid announcement that they're going to start working on it or it's probably going to get harder and harder to really get it done. Yeah. Um, I mean, and granted, this was only 2018. And so, I mean, we're only like three years out. But, you know, when you make an announcement for a movie, that means two more years till it's really done and out. And so, and then Lord knows if we'll have another pandemic you know, because are we ever going to have a Black Widow movie? <laughs> I mean, is that ever going to come out? Who knows? Like we were we were asking that before the movie was even made, Stephen. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's true. But I just recall what I just heard, uh, Mister Sunday Movie Joker about. He's like, I just kind of want the Black Widow movie to come out. Just he's like, I'm not even excited anymore. I just I just want it to come out so that we can move on with the other things <laughs> because the other things can't happen until this movie happens. And so oh, it almost seems like we'll see the uh, supposed Doctor Strange movie <laughs> that's supposed to come out in two uh, years or whatever geez. it is before we see that Black Widow movie. I, geez, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know at this point it's like I feel like we're going to – another thing Dakota and I were just talking about earlier, it's like I feel like we could see a, a Booster Gold movie come out before this Black Widow movie that's done and in the can is going to come out. But Maybe – Maybe we'll actually see one of the 100 Game of Thrones prequels yeah. <laughs> made before this movie, before yeah. Black Widow comes out. But Dakota, just you know, just to put a, maybe a nice little cap on this. First off, um, how from one to five PS One controllers? Oh. 
We got to use PS1 controllers because, I mean, that's just the, the iconic shape of it and everything. Go back to those boxy Tomb Raider days. How many PS1 controllers would you give it? Ooh, uh, I don't know. We're talking PS1 controllers. <laughs> so uh, does... yeah, Those are easy to split in half, too. You give it, like, so many and a half star or uh, controllers. I would probably go three and a half. Three and a half? Yeah. Um, I think, man, I hate this because, like, like I, I feel like we just did a box set television one not that long ago, and we had the same score, but that's about where I was, too. It was, like, three and a half. Um, just because this is a, this is just a really solid movie. But to kind of put a cap on this, what is a video game that you would like to see a good movie made out of? Like, is there one that you're kind of like, oh, I wish they would make a mov- movie of this. I think this would make a good movie. You know, I'm going to throw this out there. <laughs> I just now remembered that I was almost going to say Assassin's Creed. Then I remembered they did make a movie of that. That's funny, because as you were saying, I was going to say <laughs> Assassin's Creed. My In my head, I was going, oh, that's a good idea. And then it's like, wait, they did that. You know, in a way, you could still, I would still give you that one. <laughs> Maybe you could say a good Assassin's Creed. Oh, you know what's funny about that movie? Somebody bought it for me, and I bought a. Uh, I ordered uh, the Jurassic Park movie from Target Online. They sent it to me, and it came with the security thing on there. Oh, it still had like the, the plastic uh, cover thing. Yeah, where you- <laughs> where you have to unlock it. And I was so mad. I just took a hammer. Those things are more uh, dis- indestructible than I thought. Yeah, they uh, they don't want you to want to try to steal them. So, yeah, I suppose they're, like, just shy of bulletproof, huh? Well, uh, Target, good on you, because I think I hit that thing almost 100 times. See, probably what I would have done is... Uh, <laughs> don't don't you say it. <laughs> don't you say it. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I, well, I don't know if you know what I'm going to say. I was I would take a drill. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I would probably just punch a bunch of holes really close together, because usually there's a little room at the top. Yeah. And then just try to get a hacksaw going. <laughs> uh, the girlfriend I had at the time was just take it to Target and explain to him what happened. And- oh, but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know what's funny is that does feel like the right answer in a world where people would believe anything you say. Right. <laughs> but I would be like, I would be too terrified they would think I shoplifted. Yeah, and she was, I was like, no, I'll take this to him and then... They'll be like, we we trying to make off with this yeah. movie, kid? You I would, know. yeah, you'd take it there. They'd keep the movie, and you'd go to jail. <laughs> but I probably put more time and energy and effort into cracking this thing open than I should have. And unfortunately... Because Assassin's Creed was inside? No, it was the Jurassic Park movie. Oh, but, that's worth it. And then, Oh, wait, which Jurassic Park? The first one. Oh, it's worth it. And I kind of <laughs> damaged uh, the spine of it a little bit like it was cracked. And I, c- I could have just put it on my shelf with all my other movies. <laughs> but I was like, this is going to bother me when I'm laying in bed at 3 a.m. All you can think about is a cracked spine. <laughs> so I rummaged through all my Blu-rays. I'm like, which one of you can be the sacrificial <laughs> lamb? And I reached for the shape of water. Then I was like, wait a minute. I have a better <laughs> candidate. I grabbed the, uh, the Assassin's Creed through the... <laughs> kind of little sleeve that had all the information on it, threw that away along with the DVD, the Blu-ray. See you, Marion Cotillard. <laughs> and, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's that's what became of that. The Shape of Water lived another day, I guess. Oh, 
Is the Shape of Water still alive on your shelf? Ah, uh, no, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, so what? What video game? <laughs> I almost forgot what we were talking about. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the short answer. The first Red Dead Redemption. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because I almost said the same thing. Like, I was gonna say I would like to see a Mario movie, and then I have to remind myself that a Mario <laughs> movie has already happened too. But has a Mario movie already happened? Because <laughs> there was nothing Mario <laughs> about that movie. I don't except know the, their names were Mario and Luigi. Well, not just that, but their last names were Mario, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, let's. I try not to remember too much information about that movie. Uh, um, you know, my problem is I just don't play a lot of the big storyline games probably as much. That's probably why I do think of Mario. I thought you'd honestly go for Legend of Zelda over anything Yeah, else. and I think, and that's what I was going to say, is probably since Mario's kind of happened and it sounds like it's going to happen, like they're like Illumination Entertainment's working on a Mario movie, Ugh. supposedly. So, yeah, I think I will go with Legend of Zelda. Um, and I don't know what I would want that to be. If I'd want it to be live action or some sort of kind of, CGI, i.e., how Final Fantasy was. You know, that Spirits Within movie? Oh, yes. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously, technology's gotten better, so it could look better. But if you made a Zelda in a vein, in, a, in the vein of that, but with the technology we have now, that could be kind of neat, too. And they could even maybe motion capture. Yeah. Maybe a motion capture Zelda. I'm going to say that. Motion capture Zelda. <laughs> so, kind of like that Beowulf movie from. Yeah, but again, years I, would, ago. I would not. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't hire image movers, Robert Zemeckis' company, because I feel like all of his motion capture people have such dead, lifeless eyes. It gives me nightmares. And one of them was a kid's movie, Polar Express. Um, the only one only one of those of his that he's done I really am okay with is his Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, is I think that one's all right. But <laughs> otherwise, there's so many just dead, lifeless eyes. But So, yeah, if there was a way to do... A mocap Legend of Zelda where no one had dead lifeless eyes. <laughs> I'm on board. But I think with that, we'll bring this one to a close. So we do encourage you to check out Tomb Raider if you haven't. It was one that I just finally got around to watching just in the past, like, six months. You know, that's kind of thing. It's the reason we're reviewing this is, like, it, during this pandemic time, you kind of catch up on movies you missed a little bit. And then, Dakota, when did you see it? More when it was new? Um, I believe it was shortly after it had come out on DVD. I may have just rented it. Yeah, it was one of those that just kind of breezed by me, you know, when it was new, and I just missed it. And then I just happened to finally get around to watching it. I'm like, man, that was really good. I can't believe more people weren't talking about this. Um, and I'm still kind of surprised, you know, that there hasn't been more of an announcement on a sequel. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely a, a fun one to... Um, to watch and um, with that I just want to say we hope you all have subscribed to us in one of the places that you can subscribe to us at um, whether it's YouTube or iTunes or wherever Stitcher any of those places my understanding is I haven't checked this in a while but I know you used to be able to even tell your Alexa to play the Dakota Boys Talk movies and I think she'll just start playing the latest episode I know I tried it at one point. It doesn't work. So you could even try that and listen to us on your Alexa. 
Um, just anyway. But yeah, then we're also on Facebook where we're always putting up movie news here and there, but then also just a lot of dumb memes using movie moments. <laughs> we enjoy those. Um, so yeah, we hope you just take advantage of that too, and we will catch you on the flippity flip, i.e. the next episode. Uh, this is Steven. This is Dakota. See you later. Thank you.